0: You're listening to the St. John's and Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Julie Blinko. Today's reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 beginning at verse 11. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. The new creation has come the old has gone the new is here all this is from god who reconciled us to himself through christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that god was reconciling the world to himself in christ not counting people's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sign to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in the time of my favour, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. This is the word of the Lord.
1: I was serving in a soup van once in Brisbane, and we used to bring food to the homeless people. There was one particular man who our hearts grew really fond for. He was a believer in Jesus, and he was so down and out on his luck. So we decided to gather um, some donations and we raised about $200 to give it to him. I remember being there and witnessing us giving him this $200 and he was just so gleeful and so excited and we were, you know, thrilled that he was so excited. That's exactly what we wanted. Uh, We asked him once all the thank yous had calmed down, you know, what are you planning on spending it on? And we were kind of excited to hear what's made him so excited. He said, without a moment's hesitation, oh, I'm going to give it to Jesus, of course. Sorry? I'm going to give it to the church, he said. Oh, maybe he's misunderstood, we thought. Oh, we are the church, and we're giving this to you so that you can go and spend it on yourself, anything you want to. He said, you don't seem to understand. I've never had the opportunity to give something to God. I've always been on the receiving end of Jesus' generosity. And you've given me the opportunity to give something that costs, to give something to Jesus that costs me something. And he goes, I want the reward in heaven. I'm giving this all to Jesus. Thanks so much. He was so excited. It was a touching moment for me. And it's something which has struck and stuck with me for years later. His gratitude to God for the grace and love that he'd experienced from him. And also, to be honest, he looked really messed up. He was rugged. He didn't have a home. He didn't have food. He was, um, I don't think he had access to a shower for a very long time. But his heart for Jesus was pure gold. We're taught not to judge a book by its cover. We're taught not to judge people by their looks, but to look inside. And I think in Australia, on the whole, we do that pretty good. I've travelled to a number of countries and I think Australians on the whole do think it's more than surface deep, get to know the person behind it. This message written by the Apostle Paul goes even deeper than look beyond the surface. It's not so much about look behind the person and you'll find their personality. He's talking more about a powerfully persuasive speech to look beyond the, per- sorry, the surface and you'll see that those who believe in Jesus have received a new identity. They're a new creation in Christ. God is making all things new, and as a result, they're a lot different from the world around them. The context here is that Paul, one of the early apostles, was writing this letter to the new believers in Corinth in ancient Greece and is brilliantly persuading the people at the time not to take God's grace for granted. He's trying to persuade them what is perfectly clear to him and God and doing so as honestly as possible, not using flowery language, not wearing the best of clothes to convince people, not trying to inspire them with all of his learned knowledge and visuals, but making the gospel as plain as day. And what is that gospel message he was sharing? Verse 21, if you're following along. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, Jesus, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. You might not like the idea of being sinful compared to God. I know I didn't when I was sussing out Christianity. Who are you to be telling me that, I used to think. Here's something I found really helpful in understanding this, and it's another way to explain the the gospel message which Paul is teaching them. You see, God wants to be friends with us. He wants to walk in constant relationship with us, to know us and to be known by us. God is love. His intention and thoughts towards us are from a place of love. It is impossible for God not to love. So why doesn't everyone experience this relationship all of the time? Well, because all of us at some stage have turned our back on God. This happens when we trust in ourselves or in our own ways and not in God. When you turn your back on a friend, for example, your relationship begins to break down. You feel less connected to the person you're speaking to. And when that happens in a friendship, one of you sort of needs to begin to turn around or say sorry or offer a peace offering to that person to begin to restore relationship. In the case of God, it's us. Who has turned from him, from his ways, from relationship with him. And that separation lasts for eternity. And there's a cost associated with it. The good news is, Jesus paid that price. He paid the cost. The price was his life. He died, taking on the consequences of sin and separation, and rose again. His life now, a bridge for anyone who wants that restoration and reconciliation in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Each of us now have a choice in what we want to do with that. We are free to turn our back on God, that decision and the consequence of it lasting for eternity, or we are free to turn around and to face him, doing so by making Jesus our Lord and Saviour. When we say yes to Jesus, we're walking in friendship with God. Another word for it is in Christ. In Christ we're made righteous. This means we're made to have right standing with God. That right standing that Jesus has had before God is now given to us. The favour Jesus had before God is now given to us. Living in Christ, his purposes become our purposes. Living in Christ, his authority becomes our authority when we pray in Jesus' name. Living in Christ, he lives in us through the Holy Spirit and we receive a new identity. We are born again in a new creation. It's huge. And you and I are given a new beginning in that new creation. Now, you may have turned your back on God. May I encourage you to make today the day that you turn back. If these current world events show us anything, It's that we don't know the day and time that our lives are up. Make a decision while there's still time. Maybe you've never thought of it. I haven't consciously turned my back on it, but I've never consciously turned to God either. Again, make today the day that you turn to God and say, yes, I want to live for him. It's God's love that's been missing in my life. Friend, today is your day for that. Today is the day that God invites you back into reconciliation, into friendship with him. He's already done everything needed for that by sending his son. The choice now lives with you. He desires to give you that new beginning, that fresh start, to be born again with a new identity and to walk your days with him. It's so important that I want to take a moment to explain to you how to do that if you've never done that before. Sorry, thank you, please. So if you're turning from God and you want to turn back, it's just a simple matter of sorry, God, for having turned away. Sorry for living life my own way and trusting in myself. I want to turn back to you and make you first. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you that you've done that through Jesus. I want to put him first and please be first in my life. In Jesus' name. Honestly, Sorry, thank you, please. If you've just said that with your heart, sorry, said it with your words and meant it with your heart, there are angels rejoicing over that decision that you've just made. Whether it feels big or small, there's transactions done in heaven around your life and God is for you, with you, and wants to journey with you in that. Verse 16, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Please don't be a stranger. We want to celebrate with you and support you as you follow Jesus. You, like other believers in Jesus, have been given a new identity, reconciled to God, a new creation and a new beginning. But what next? Well, verse 17 to 21 in the readings we just heard from Aaron describes four different things about what it is to be in Christ. Number one, we're living as a new creation. So in Christ, God forgives us of our sins. As far as the east is from the west, those things no longer count against us. He has made a way for guilt and shame of those events to be forgiven and forgotten. So if you're walking, holding on to those things when God has forgiven you, I encourage you, leave them at the cross. They're a burden he doesn't want you to carry anymore. In Christ, we no longer hold on. And live by the labels that others have put on us or that we have put on ourselves. Oh, um, I used to be pretty promiscuous, someone might say. Hey, let me tell you, you've received a new beginning. This is not how God sees you anymore. Oh, I used to have a furious temper. All things are made new in Jesus. He offers you a way to get through that and empowers you in that new lifestyle. In Christ, Jesus takes these things and turns them and uses them for good. If it's not good yet, it means God's not finished with it. Number two, living for God means your life is not your own. It's a hard truth, but let's talk about it. Your life was bought at a price, the price of Jesus' life. And the nature of God's kingdom is that the life that you found when you lay it down and you pour it out for Jesus, you receive an abundant life, his life, one that's uh, where you're more fully alive, full of joy, full of yourself than ever before. So those that live no longer live self-absorbed, self-centred lives, but one surrendered choice by choice to him. In becoming a Christian, I liken it a little bit to swallowing a compass, but far more comfortable. So a compass always faces due north regardless of where you have it, what position you put it in. Swallowing it, even in your stomach, it would face due north. When you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always points to the Heavenly Father, directing you, guiding you, leading you closer to him so that you can be positioned to walk closely with him. It's the role of God in our life to do that. So you'll start changing from the inside out. And as a result, we start treating people differently. It changes what's in our heart, it changes our words, it changes our heart and and thoughts towards other people. It's interesting, isn't it? Because someone's accent, their clothes, uh, their profession, their wealth, their family structure, marital status, how many kids they've got, these are usually things which help us get to know them and forms a bit of a story about them. Though in ancient Corinth, these, these things were used to um, let people take pride in themselves and they were trying to esteem themselves by it. In the fancy things they wore, people would judge others based on these things, the externals that they could see. This past week, the New York Times published the names of 1,000 people who had died from COVID-19, 1% of the total deaths at the time. The news was on the page with their name and age in a brief sentence summarising their life. Mum of three, jazz musician, ticket holder to a sports game, registered nurse, the list went on. It was an attempt to show uh, that these people are not just mere numbers, but people known and and loved. COVID-19 has been a great equaliser, a virus which pays no attention to status, wealth nation, family background, it means nothing. Jesus was the greatest equaliser the world has ever seen. He brought a revolutionary message that reconciliation to God was now more important than any external status marker. In Christ, we all have equal access to God and are equal recipients of his justice, his grace and his love. Verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. The old has vanished. Now this truth will apply to your workplaces. There'll be a difference in your parenting. There'll be a difference in your dating. There'll be a difference in finances. It changes everything. But what could it mean for us as a community, a church community? A few years back, I was part of another church community, and there were some really loud and disruptive people that started coming to church. They were new believers, and some were there just to suss us out. The ladies and men wore clothes that you'd probably wear to a nightclub. They were really sexy and provocative. They talked to each other loudly through the sermon. They sang gust with gusto, but really out of tune. They ate most of the afternoon tea and morning tea before we'd reached it. Um, They had a lot of financial and physical needs. Now, on the first or second visit, there was a bit of excitement around the church. People were excited that they'd come. Oh, these new people, how wonderful. But after a while, there was a lot of complaining and people were talking about these irreverent disruptions. Pastor Julie, do something about it, I was urged. What difference does the new creation make here? I actually really loved them coming. And secretly, I loved the mess that it had created because I loved the gift of the stretching grace that it meant for everyone. We all had to learn to love and make room for these newbies of a different culture and certainly new to church culture. For me, it helped to think of them in ba- as babies in the faith. If someone were to bring a baby to church, there would be so much care and affection for them We'd be curious, we'd be adoring them, and of course we'd expect them to be a bit messy. That's what babies do, but would help them as a community to grow up in the ways of God. Similarly, a new babe in Christ needs that same care and patience. It's not right to look at their clothes or hear things you might know of their history and smear it on the new creation that they are, shaming them and reminding them of what was. We need to speak into their future the promises of God and help them to see themselves as God sees them. Start off by treating them like they're God's very favourite, worthy of Jesus giving his life so God could walk in friendship with them. Those people were such a gift to us because they taught us more about God's kingdom and what a divine privilege it was that God trusted us to be teaching these new kids in the faith about him. Verse 17, the new is here, but warning, sometimes it might look really messy to what we're used to. Mess is good if it's a result of Jesus at work in our heart and in our lives, making his priorities our priorities. The homeless man on the street that I talked about earlier, he looked dirty and smelly, down and out, Yet he was part of the new order of Jesus making all things new. All that is related to the old order is fading and vanished. And that on that that night, he gave me a gift to not evaluate people by limited human insights and understanding. God has made all things new by reconciling us to himself. We're an ambassador of Jesus. Verse 19. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We have been given the most valuable of messages to tenderly plead with others to turn back to God and to be reconciled to him. What you do in this regard matters and is needed. There will be people that you relate to more than anyone else, that you're uniquely gifted to share Jesus with them. You are uniquely gifted to share the way you think, the things you've discovered. Don't ever doubt or minimise your capacity to do that. You've been placed in a position where where you're the person chosen to relate to your neighbours, your friends, the people around you. You're the right person to be sharing with them that God is offering friendship to them. Now, let's just clarify, it's Jesus who does the saving, but we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are empowered and anointed to help others to know God's love as well. Now, thinking about this reminds me of a time in uh, my 20s, and I ran into a friend of mine from university. He was um totally cool to put it in a really subtle way he was totally cool and everyone wanted to be friends with this guy including me he was quite cute and I when he said let's have lunch I was very excited to have lunch with him so we were eating lunch and he was telling me about his travels that were coming up and I started hearing the Holy Spirit tell me tell him about me tell him about Jesus tell him about the things you've learnt Now, I'd love to say I did, but I want to be honest with you, I resisted and I didn't. I was concerned with what he would think and I wanted to be liked by him and I held back and I didn't. We had a nice lunch, we farewelled each other, he went overseas travelling and I went away thinking, "Ah, maybe I should have, that really was God prompting me. Two months later, I heard that he had passed away in a sudden scuba diving accident. It's one of those defining moments in my life, even when I think about it now, that my friend died, but also I don't know if he knew Jesus before he died and I knew that I had an opportunity to tell him. We don't have forever to let our loved ones know about Christ. We may have less time than we realise. Take the opportunity while you can and as God opens that door. Finally, chapter 6, verse 2. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of favour, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour and now is the day of salvation. Friends, there is an urgency. Now is the time to do whatever we can to reach out to others with this profound message of love and reconciliation. Today is that day of salvation. What that means is the fullness of God, the fullness of friendship with him, the fullness of knowing his love is available now. It's not some time later. Jesus has come to make it possible. It's possible for you to choose that today and it's the time to share that with others. So today we can pray expectantly. We can walk with a fresh boldness. We can anticipate seeing the favour of God as we step out in these things. Today, while there's still time, let me pray. Heavenly Father, you are a mighty God who has done all that is possible to reconcile with us. Thank you for the friendship and the power that um, exists in you knowing us, Lord. Thank you for the abundant life of knowing you personally. Lord, would you take these words and use them powerfully in people's hearts, both for their own life, but also Show them, God, who it is you want them to share your good news with this week. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.